Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, thanks for joining me. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass. And uh, as a pastor of a church, you probably should know that I grew up in church. I mean, I really grew up in church. My mom was the choir director, and so we were there all the time, literally for every service. And so for me, a typical Sunday would start with the morning service, Sunday school, then church, and then it'd be followed by lunch. And then we would be back at the church for choir practice at three o'clock, after which we would stay through the Sunday night service, which started at six o'clock. And then like, I mean, just imagine adding on all of the Wednesday night service and special event services. I mean, I have sat through literally thousands of sermons. And that is not an exaggeration. I did the math. Thousands. And as a result, I've heard a lot of preaching and a lot of sermonizing. And there's one part of a sermon that became my favorite. It's a phrase or variation on a phrase that always happens if a speaker is any good. And every time I hear it, it makes my heart sing. And so my favorite phrase, the best part of every sermon is when the speaker says the words, as I close... Now, they may use different phrasing. They may say things like in closing or in summary or as I wrap up, but it always means the same thing. This dude or dudette is finally about to stop talking. Now, I know know that this may be hard for you to relate because since you are listening to me speak, it's very likely that you have never had that thought, that you're glad someone stopped talking when you hear me speak. And in fact, I would say probably that when I say that as I close, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh no, it can't be over yet. It's so good. Just keep going. But for most other people, when a sermon comes to an end, it's a good thing. And while I confess that it's sometimes a good thing because I want to get lunch or because I'm bored out of my mind, I think it's mostly a good thing because it means that it's time to really get to the point. What do I need to take away from this and what can I do to apply it. So a good message, whether it's biblical, religious, it could be philosophical or academic, a good talk is going to try to take big concepts and distill them down into an understandable essence. You know, think think like a funnel. It starts wide with a lot of information, but then reduces it down to a primary idea. And we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, which really is Jesus's manifesto of what it looks like to follow him. We've been working through the Sermon on the Mount for nearly nine months. And today we are at that primary idea, that distilled and understandable essence of Jesus's entire sermon. Today is when we are going to hear Jesus say, as I close, and we find it in Matthew 7, 12. And this is what Jesus says. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, this is what's known as the golden rule. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. It's such a a simple and a powerful moral concept. Anyone can understand it. Anyone can grasp why this would work as a moral framework, whether religious or not. And interestingly, this is not a concept that originated with Jesus. The golden rule is 
a moral concept that actually dates back to at least 500 BC, if not before. And one of the earliest examples we can find is in a statement credited to the Chinese philosopher Confucius. And he said, do not impose on others what you do not wish for yourself. And Confucius wasn't the only one in the ancient world who spoke of this. I mean, the golden rule is found in all sorts of ancient religious traditions and philosophies. Plato spoke about it in Greek philosophy, and many of these things predated Jesus. I mean, the golden rule exists in some form in nearly every religious, moral, and philosophical framework. And one of my favorite versions is from the Jewish tradition. Now, there was a rabbi named Hillel, and Hillel lived decades before Jesus. In fact, Hillel was kind of a spiritual grandfather to the Apostle Paul because he trained the rabbi Gamaliel, who was the rabbi that trained Paul, which is just kind of an interesting fact. But the story is told of a man who came to Hillel and challenged him, and he said this. He said, I'll convert to Judaism on the condition that you teach me the whole Torah or the whole Jewish law while I stand on one foot. Kind of snarky, right? Hillel looked at him and said, what is hateful to you, do not do that to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah and the rest is commentary. I love that. The rest is commentary. Means that the remaining Jewish scriptures, according to this well-regarded Jewish rabbi, are just commentary on this one idea that we should treat others the way we want to be treated. The golden rule is so simple and useful that everyone can comprehend it and apply it. It's such a simple idea that I don't even really need to talk about it much. Even little kids can understand it. So rather than talk about the concept, I'd like to spend a little time talking about how it actually plays out in our lives. Maybe some of the hurdles we have to it playing out in our lives. And so today we're going to talk about how to understand the golden rule in two specific areas of our lives as followers of Jesus, in our religion and in our relationships. And first I want to talk about the golden rule in the context of religion. How does the command to treat others the way we want to be treated fit within the big picture of the Christian faith? Well, let's look at it again and and let's focus on one important part this time. So Matthew 7, 12 again. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you for. This sums up the law and the prophets. Now, if this sounds like a familiar teaching to you, that's because it is. I mean, the golden rule is is really just a restatement of one of the most important and foundational teachings, one of the most important and foundational things that Jesus taught at all in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, something that you have heard multiple times at Compass. And Jesus said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And check this out. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So again, if you've been part of Compass for any length of time, you have heard us talk about this verse. We talk about it a lot because it is everything. This is the most important thing, to love God and love your neighbor. It's the whole ball of wax. All of the rules and regulations that were laid out in the Jewish law or the Old Testament, all of those things are covered if we love God and love our neighbor. 
And the primacy of loving our neighbor is repeated over and over again throughout the Bible. So let me just give you some examples. Okay, first we see it in Leviticus 19.18 in the Jewish law. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. This is the verse Jesus was quoting when he repeated it. But then we see it again in James 2 in the New Testament. James 2.8 says, Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. James calls it the royal law, the king of all laws. Paul writes in Romans 13, 9 through 10. He says, For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. The Old Testament, the Jewish law, these and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Paul says this royal law sums up everything and fulfills all the requirements of God's law. And then Paul writes this in Galatians 5.14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The moral and, and behavioral ethic that runs through the entirety of Scripture is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And I'll just tell you, if you're tired of hearing love, love others as yourself or love your neighbor as yourself, then you're probably, then Compass probably isn't the church for you and Jesus may not be for you, okay? Because this is it. That we want, that we do to others what we want done to them is so important for us to grasp because we face religious dilemmas like this all the time, just like the first century church did. And their disputes in the first century, just like we talked about a few weeks ago, their, their religious disputes were centered around things like inclusion of non-Jewish people into the church or whether or not non-Jewish Christians had to still follow the Jewish or Old Testament laws. And those disputes weren't resolved by proving one side was right and one side was wrong. Those religious disputes were resolved by employing the golden rule, by deciding to just live in the tension of their disagreements by embracing Jesus' law of love. Now, you may not be aware of this, but there are a lot of religious disputes that exist inside the church today. I mean, for example, should Christians be Republicans or Democrats? Should women be pastors or not? Is drinking alcohol a sin? How should LGBTQ people who want to follow Jesus be included in the church body? Should the church help undocumented immigrants or stand against them? Can Christians support violence and killing if it's in a war that we think is just? And then understand this. There are good Christians who believe in the authority of Scripture who are on all the different sides of these disputes. So how are we to resolve these deeply held religious differences? the golden rule. Because look, even though we may not ever be able to all agree on every point of a gray issue or a secondary doctrine, we can all decide to love each other as ourselves and treat each other the way that we would want to be treated. I mean, there have always been religious or doctrinal issues that are gray areas or secondary issues, and, and there always will be areas of dispute. And some of these things seem really, really important, and some seem less so. And then I guarantee you, 
I guarantee you that there are some deeply held doctrinal issues that exist today that some people think are really, really important that we are all going to look back on as totally stupid. In fact, in the early 1900s, there was a church revival movement that literally experienced a split in part because they couldn't decide whether it was a sin to wear a tie or not. I am not joking. They had a church split over the doctrine of wearing ties. And we can laugh at that and think it's so stupid because it is. But for those people at that time, this was a heaven or hell difference. So how do we navigate those religious differences? We do it by embracing the tension of treating others the way we want to be treated. Now, you might be thinking, you know, Chris, what about the command to love God? I mean, it seems like you're ignoring that and you're focusing on just on inclusiveness and tolerance. But when it comes to religion, we love God by standing up for good doctrine and, and we love God by defending the truth, right? And, and like, doesn't loving God mean we have to draw a line at loving people based on holiness? Isn't that how we love God? Well, look at what it says in 1 John 4.20. It says that whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Loving God is loving others. It's not loving church or the Bible or doctrine or apologetics or ties. Loving others is how we love God. And treating people the way we want to be treated is how we love others. Which leads us from the religious aspect of the golden rule into the relational aspect of it. So let's look at it again and highlight another important part in Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The genius of the golden rule is that it clarifies how we love others by saying we should treat them the way we want to be treated. But there's a problem, and this is very important, okay? Because how we want to be loved may not work for everyone else. My default assumption for how to apply the golden rule, it can only come from my own personal experience, okay? So, for example, I don't like talking on the phone. In fact, I hate talking on the phone. I think it's a, an inefficient way to communicate information when a text or an email could be sent. So, if I'm having a hard time or if I'm going through something difficult, it would actually be more burdensome to me if somebody called me to talk on the phone than if they just texted me their well wishes. And because that's how I want to be treated, it would also be very easy for me to assume that everyone else is the same way. But that's not true. Some people might be really offended if I sent them a text instead of calling them when they were in a serious crisis. And I know this is just such a small and dumb example, right? But in order to treat others the way we want to be treated, we first have to do the work of understanding how it feels to be in their shoes, to know what it's like to have lived their lives. And this requires empathy. It requires the desire to understand what someone else's experience actually is. And the problem is that we often tend to look at other people through these religious lenses of right and wrong, 
rather than the relational lenses of empathy. I mean, check this out. A religious default looks at people through the lenses of dogma and doctrine. It assumes that a person is where they are because of their own good or bad choices, and then it makes a judgment on whether or not those people deserve to be in their circumstances based on their right or wrong choices, and then it responds to that person based on the judgment we made. So, it goes like this. You know, this person only needs help because of the bad choices they made. And rather than making good choices to get it better, they just want a handout. Therefore, based on my assessment of their rightness or wrongness, I, I can't help them without endorsing their behavior. Or, you know, this person doesn't apply scriptural teaching the way I do in a way that I think is right. And therefore, because they don't believe the way I do, I can't act on their behalf without endorsing their beliefs. But the golden rule requires empathy. It demands that we assume we are that person, that we see them through the lenses of their own experience rather than the lenses of our own experience or the lenses of our own religious tradition. The golden rule requires understanding, mercy, and relationship. And it goes beyond every disagreement, every difference, and every dispute that we might have with a person in order to understand them and embrace them just as they are. And isn't this what Jesus did for us? I mean, though he was God, he humbled himself to become a human being, to walk in our shoes, not to judge us, but to love us. And then when he gave the golden rule, he, he summed up the entire law. And it means this, that the entire will of God is about learning to love others as ourselves. That's it. Now, as I close, the real challenge for us is not just to find the balance between good religion and love. I think we feel like that. It's a teeter-totter, right? Good religion or love. But the real challenge is to understand that good religion is love. Jesus' law of love is the full religion of Christianity reduced into its purest essence. Every other command that we find in the Bible, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, is to be read and understood through the lenses of, of the golden rule and Jesus' law of love. This is the practice of following Jesus. It is, it's the complete summary of the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount and the entirety of the Bible. So let's start doing this. In your interactions with others, ask yourself, what would I want if I were in their shoes? And ask it with empathy, not judgment, because their beliefs or behaviors have nothing to do with how we live out and implement the golden rule. Just ask, how would I wanna be treated if I were them, if I had lived their life? And then do that, do that thing. That's how we love our neighbor as, we, as, as ourself. It's how we love God. It's the entire will of God lived out in the lives of the people who follow Jesus. And that's who I want us to be also. So let's live out that love. Let's do to others what we would have them do to us. Let's love our neighbor as ourselves. And let's see our relationships, let's see our religion, and let's see our world transformed as we embrace the core thing that it is 
to follow Jesus. Thanks again for joining me, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. Compass.